Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, the following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic podcast, on Sunday, the 49ers and Cowboys met for the ninth time in a playoff rivalry that traces all the way back to 1970. Two franchises with championship pedigree. We will show you how they got there. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. All right, you know what it is? The papers are prepared. Yeah, I got some notes here. It's Tuesday. The show will drop on Wednesday. And if you're listening right now, hopefully it is Wednesday. (laughs) Wednesday morning. All right, you know what it is. NFL historians and lovers of sports history, welcome in. This show is for you guys and gals, for you ladies and gents. It's cool if you already know this stuff, but hey, (laughs) congratulations to you cookies for everybody but there's always someone who does not know this stuff okay this shows for those who don't know as much about nfl history so we're here to do three things and what is that yeah enlighten teach and learn this is the behind the mic podcast i'm your host michael neal jr this show is presented by belly up sports belly up sports podcast network belly up sports media that's right BillyUpSports.com Go to that website Click on it You catch all of our shows Especially this one On our new home base Of Megaphone That's M-E-G-A-P-H-O-N-E Alright Megaphone Apple Podcast The favorites right Apple Podcast Spotify Of course you got Google Podcast Amazon Music Stitcher iHeartRadio And for those who love the visual YouTube Alright so Yeah This show is uh gonna undo some scabs for me as a former 49ers fan but that's okay you know that's okay Uh, I love reminiscing about this but before we get into the meat and heart of the show the NFC and AFC championship games there are set four teams that are left right and you know the rest either you're on the playoff couch or you never even got a seat so we're gonna go short and then long today All right, you'll see how it works out. Here we go. The rundown, the divisional round, Saturday and Sunday. We start with Saturday, AFC Divisional, Jaguars at the Chiefs. All right, so 
First of all, Chad Henney. This man is a hero. You didn't see the game. Why? Because he led Kansas City on a 98-yard touchdown drive that ultimately led the Chiefs to a 17-10 halftime lead. Patrick Mahomes, you know, he suffered the nasty high ankle sprain. God, I thought he broke his leg. <laughs> uh, and look, it happened in the first quarter. I missed the entire first half of the game, and that was because my grandmother, who passed away uh, well over a week ago, you know, her funeral was this Saturday. So my mind was far from football. Okay, so by the time we did settle down, you know, it was, oh, there's a game on, almost forgot. It's that time, so we flipped it on the game. And then Patrick Mahomes comes running uh, out onto the field, you know, <laughs> right before halftime was over, and you have the Chiefs fans, yeah, my God, yeah. Yeah, they, they was happy. Um, but why? Because the guy nearly had his leg, his leg, leg, leg broken in two. Um, but I mean, that happened in the first quarter. And he had, what, argued with the coaches and the trainers to let him stay in the game. That wasn't happening. But he came out to those um, Chiefs fans. You know, they were cheering. And just like, oh, God, yes, thank God he's back, right? And he finished the game 22 of 30, only 195 yards. Clearly, that ankle was bothering him. But he threw two touchdowns, and the second of which was to Marquez Valdez, Scantling, put the Chiefs up 27 to 17 in the fourth quarter. So I mean, you got, you know, Mahomes picking up first downs on one leg. Travis Kelsey, he caught 14 passes, and the defense came up big with some turnovers. Bend but don't break defense. Okay, not a great defense, but they are bend but don't break, and they took advantage of some turnovers. Big advantage. What about the Jaguars, by the way? Well, <laughs> good season. Um, there'll be no comeback for them this week. Uh, a drop pass here, a fumble there, a possible dropped interception there. They had chances. Trevor Lawrence and their offense, they just couldn't take full advantage. And, uh, you know, those interceptions on, on their side of the field, on, that would have helped a whole lot. But this is clearly a team that's on the rise. Not ready yet, all right? Clearly a year away. Titans fans, y'all should be nervous. But we'll see. Kansas City, they're now on to their fifth straight AFC title game in Mahomes. His career remains undefeated in the divisional round. Oh, one more thing. So Trevor Lawrence, per NFL Network, he never lost a football game on a Saturday on any level. Well, there's a first time for everything. Later on that evening, NFC Divisional, Giants at the Eagles, a public execution. If you never saw one, you saw one on Saturday night. Yeah, never seen a public execution in sports anyway. Uh, you saw one. It just wasn't the Giants' day. Obviously, you don't want to, uh, you know, bang on what happened at, you know, final game, the regular season. That was a preseason-esque game anyway. Neither team was showing anything. They were vanilla, blah, blah, blah. But all week long at work, you know the main questions that you're going to be asked. Who do you think is going to win this game? Who's going, who's going to win that one? All right, when it came to the New York and Philly game, I said it was going to be Philly. And the only chance that New York really had of winning was, you know, it was really centered around whether or not Wink Martindale's defense could stop the run game. They did not. 268 yards they gave up. Kenneth Gainwell, he had 112. Miles Sanders had 90. Why? And I have to steal this from ESPN's Lewis Riddick. That dude is awesome. I love Lou Riddick. 
Um, we basically gave you the MVPs of the game on Saturday night, and really, outside of Jalen Hurts, the MVP of the team, the entire Eagles offensive line, Jordan Malata, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, Isaac Samalo, these guys were road graders, okay? These guys were doing it and doing it very, very well. And one other thing, Lane Johnson is playing with a torn groin. <laughs> Can you imagine playing with a torn groin? And these guys are just bullying the Giants defensive line, like, like you know, just handling like WWE choke slams. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that just wasn't great. That wasn't great. Um, but they did it the way that they've been doing it all year long, running the football. And let's not forget, Jalen Hurts, throwing the football, did not look like a guy who had a hurt shoulder. Seven for seven, 89 yards in the first quarter. Let you know on that first pass that he threw to Devontae Smith, I'm cool. All right, I'm cool. But, you know, he finished the game decently playing, you know, as far as the pass, throwing the football pretty decently. But it was, uh, you know, that that running game that did it, period. How about the Eagles defensively? Daniel Jones sacked five times. Got picked off, uh, what, in the second quarter on their way to a 28-to-zip halftime hole the Giants were in. So they lost the game 38-7. to And they had a great season. No one really expected this unless you were just a diehard Giants fan that doesn't think very much. Uh, Brian Dayball and Week Martindale, they can only get better from here. But the question is, how much of this team, including the coaching staff, will remain? Okay, so you got Wink, who got interviewed for a head coaching position. I don't know if it was positions, but I'm pretty sure there's multiple in there. The guy's a pretty good defensive coordinator. You know, some guys, somebody's going to throw a job his way. And then there's Saquon Barkley. These two, uh, will they be Giants next year? Will he get re-signed? Hmm, we'll see. Sunday, AFC Divisional. Bengals at the Bills. Look, I mean, the Bills, they led the league with 22 turnovers. And that's interesting, provided they're one of the best teams in the league. As soon as you see that stat, who's the first person that you think of? The first player that you think of? Josh Allen. Josh Allen. And, you know, he couldn't afford to make the dumb mistake or the bad plays on Sunday. And he actually didn't turn the football over like you would think. He had an interception. And it pretty much was the one that put a seal on the game that was already over with anyway. But he was just really inaccurate on Sunday. Just very, very inaccurate. I don't know. I don't want to ask questions. Was he playing scared or anything like that? But or, or trying to be too careful? I don't know. I don't know. But he was definitely feeling the heat. And you know, the, the biggest problem, he had zero touchdown passes. Very inaccurate. And you saw the frustration from Stefan Diggs towards the end of the game. He's throwing his arms up here. Yeah. What are we doing here? You know, my first thought though of this game. Say we have to remember that the Bengals were just in the Super Bowl last year. And they had a chance to, you know, to beat the Rams if it had not been for Aaron Donald with that sack at the end. And all we know, you know, we all know actually what happened on Monday Night Football Week 17. And it was great to see DeMar Hamlin back in the building and doing those who's going to win type talk. Everybody said, well, Hamlin's going to be in the building and they're going to be fired up to play. That didn't work, man. I mean, great story. That didn't work at all. Who thought about DeMar Hamlin during that game while they was getting their heads beat in? Not me. 
<laughs> not me. As far as that game was concerned, the way that that Monday night game started, I thought the Bengals were going to beat the Bills anyway at home. And uh, that was just me. That's just my feeling. The Sunday, January 21st, a little bit of snowfall in Buffalo. The Bills hosting the Bengals this time around. Cincinnati drove right down the field. Boom, touchdown. Burrow to Jamar Chase. Drive two, 10 plays, 72 yards. Another Joe Burrow touchdown pass. Anyway, the, you know what the point is. They scored them all but one of their drives uh, in the first half. They had a 17-7 lead. Um, Allen, he had that 14-play, 65-yard, 7-minute drive. They got all of that in the second half, Josh Allen, did, but just for three points. And that ended up being the last points of the day. The Bengals' defense, very, very underrated. And they sealed that 27-10 win, win, picking off Josh Allen with under two minutes to go. Didn't matter anyway. Stephon Diggs, he nearly went home before the game was over with his uniform on. He was afraid. He was very, very emotional and frustrated. Again, that defense for the Bengals is very underrated. Joe Burrow was great as far as his game. You know, Bills fans, they were expecting to fly to Atlanta for the AFC Championship game. Well, when Burrow was asked about that post game, what did he say? Better send those refunds. 50,000 tickets were already purchased for that game. And then for the NFC Divisional. Cowboys at 49ers. Well, you have to wait till after the break for this one. There's a history between the Cowboys and 49ers, one that I know all too well as a former 49ers fan. All right, so I'm sure y'all asking, like, this guy, he's a Steelers fan. I mean, that runs in my family. He's saying, I'm a former 49ers fan. What happened? Well, what happened was that I just didn't understand free agency at the time or the fact that uh, yeah, Joe Montana was getting old and he was a little injury prone there towards the end of his career and Jerry Rice was getting old and they was already sending him packing and that game where T.O. caught 20 balls on Jerry Rice Day, didn't sit too well with me. So, yeah, I was young, and I just said I gave up the ghost on the 49ers. I could never again go back and return, but I still have a place for them in my heart. I do not hate San Francisco. I just didn't understand it at the time. But there's no turning back. I can't just go back and say, oh, I got two teams. No, I'm not that guy. I can't do that. I, I honestly cannot do that. So, But on Sunday, the Cowboys and the 49ers, they got together again. Uh, but this time for the ninth time in their playoff history between these two teams. This includes six NFC Championship games, two divisional games, and one wild card game. Today, we'll work our way backwards. Well, actually, we're going to start from the beginning. I was going to work my way backwards. We're going to start from the beginning and just show just how close most of these games have traditionally been. So, and the Cowboys, by the way, they went into Sunday leading the all-time series 5-3. to three. That lead would shrink by game on Sunday night, and the all-time series would go to 19-19-1 between Dallas and San Francisco. Kick the music. The San Francisco 49ers and Dallas Cowboys. They have two histories that both ended in championship-level pedigree. All right, so They ultimately have gotten to that, that level. If you don't know any history for any of these franchises, and if you're a football fan, you just should. I mean, come on. Just 
Dallas Cowboys and it's the San Francisco 49ers. You know about the team of the 90s and the, the dynasty of the 90s and the dynasty of the 80s and how good that the Cowboys were in the 70s, okay? But some of you may not know how all of this began anyway. The 49ers were an original team from the old AAFC, the All-American Football Conference, founded in 1946, and they were one of three survivors when the league folded after the 49 season. <laughs> yeah, you see what I did there? Yeah, they played uh, the Cleveland Browns, who Browns, they, they ran through that, that whole thing, winning all four championships, and the 49ers were actually the second best team in that league. They just happened to be in the same division as Cleveland. It's kind of like Michigan, Ohio State. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, so uh, they, they, they just couldn't meet the team on the other side and they finally met in the very very uh last season and the 49ers went down but still the nfl's like hey we want them as well as the cleveland browns and the original baltimore colts and that's what that's how they got started in the nfl itself the 49ers had only made the playoffs one time uh, by the time they entered the league in 1950. And that was in 1957 that they made the playoffs. And this was all before the 70 season. One playoff appearance. The Cowboys, they were founded in 1960. They were pretty bad when they first started, going, what, 0-11-1 in the first season? And they finally had a winning record in 1966. And this would continue all the way until 1985. Of course, they were losing to the Green Bay Packers in 66. They were losing to the Green Bay Packers in 1967. Uh, one game away from the Super Bowl. Super Bowls one and two. Yeah, you had the Ice Bowl, and then you also, and, bef and before that, yeah, uh, the Packers got them, um, you know, in uh, the Cotton Bowl. So, yeah, it, it will actually, sorry, reverse that. The Ice Bowl to go to Super Bowl. No, it was the Ice Bowl to go to Super Bowl too. I got my years mixed up, my part of me. So yeah, they, they beat them in Texas Stadium uh, in the, the in route to Super Bowl one, and then Super Bowl two. You know, Chuck Mercine never did get to play after that last drive where he got half the yards. I'm rambling. So yeah, they they the Cowboys were a force to be reckoned with by that time, and it would not go away uh, for a very long time. So they had enjoyed a whole lot more success uh, while they were in the, in the NFL um, and got to a higher plane. The Cowboys, though, uh, were kind of known, though, as, as John Facenda once put it, loser. They were losing to the Browns. They were losing to the Packers. You know, they would always get to the pinnacle and couldn't get over the top, right? Well, I mean... It's hard to get over those teams when they're already up there. You have to beat the best in order to be the best, right? And so the 49ers, on the other hand, they enjoyed some early success in the 1970s uh, outside of that 57 season, but it didn't last very long. So the 49ers, they got a head coach in 1968 by the name of Dick Nolan. Dick Nolan was a former defensive back himself and actually was a, the defensive backs coach for the Dallas Cowboys from 62 to 65 and the defensive coordinator during those NFL championship years where they were losing to the Packers back-to-back -back years. Um, but you had on this roster by 1970 going forward, you had quarterback John Brody, wide receiver Gene Washington, and fullback Vic Washington, also defensive backs. One was an all-pro, Bruce Taylor, and the all-pro was Jimmy Johnson, not the coach. 
Uh, Forrest Blue was on the offensive line, great offensive lineman for them. Linebacker Dave Wilcox and tight end, who was also an all pro, Ted Qualley. Now, Cowboys, on the other hand, they had <laughs> some really big names that you really knew. Of course, it was Tom Landry, and at the time, they were quarterbacked by Craig Morton. Stahlbach was on the bench. Dwayne Thomas, Calvin Hill, Walt Garrison, Bob Hayes, Mike Dicker was finishing up his career with the Cowboys at the time. Mel Renfro, Charlie Waters, Cliff Harris, Chuck Howley, Bob Lilly, Rayfield Wright. I mean, come on. I mean, they had some really, really good squads. So by 1970, though, this was actually the Cowboys and 49ers' first postseason meeting, and they would be playing in Keezer Stadium, which was the old home before Candlestick Park for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, the Niners were 10-3-1 that year. The Cowboys were 10-4. 10-4. Ten, ten four. four. <laughs> Boy, I can't talk today. So they were playing for the right to move on to Super Bowl V. This was the NFC Championship game, all right? So in their 25-year history, this was the first championship game in, in since they had been in the NFL. Okay, so this was the highest that they have reached at the point. The offensive line was pretty good. They had an all-pro quarterback in, in John Brody. The offensive line protected this guy. An NFL record, they only gave up eight sacks the entire year. So, I mean, that's pretty good, right? Dallas, on the other hand, they had other plans. So they came into this game trying to finally get over the hump. They lost to the Packers back-to-back -back years, and they also lost to the Cleveland Browns in 68 so it wasn't it wasn't that they weren't good they just were trying to get over the hump finally and they almost did at the end of this but dallas that day they ended up beating the san francisco 49ers after rushing for 229 yards dwayne thomas had 143 of them and uh they had a 17 to 10 dallas win uh you know for their first ever win they also thought it was going to get better the next season these games were played in the 71 and the 71 season ended up with san francisco with a nine and five record dallas came in they were five point favorite in this game they were 11 and three so they were primed on their way to trying to win the super bowl again after losing to the baltimore colts painful loss last minute field goal and the colts finally got their championship uh in the super bowl well, they was playing in Texas Stadium this time, okay? So things were a little bit different. Uh, you had Craig Morton that were, uh, he, he was uh, on the bench at this point because they were going back and forth, quarterback here, quarterback there. Uh, they were literally switching every other play. Tom Landry couldn't make his mind up. You had Morton in and then you had Staubach and eventually, look, Landry said, uh, well, it wasn't Landry, it was the players. The players said, just give us a quarterback, pick one, and it ended up being Staubach. Now, the rest wasn't history just yet, as you'll see here later in the show. But Staubach, he led Dallas to their first Super Bowl championship that year. And uh, they had their ninth straight win. That's what they were looking for since he became the starter. It wasn't pretty. Uh, San Francisco had six sacks on Roger Staubach. Uh, Brody. He got picked up, picked off three times. That's not helping at all. 
But Staubach did it more with his legs. He actually led them in rushing with 55 yards on the ground. He had like Walt Garrison and Dwayne Thomas who had 52 and 44 as well. But it, it was just one of those days where they did just enough for a 14 to three win. And it was what, seven to three at one point in the game. And then uh, George Andrew, he picks off a screen pass that John Brody had intended for one of his backs. And uh, he returned that thing inside the 10 yard line. That doesn't help your cause if you're San Francisco. They're trying to get some momentum and just could not do it. And they end up losing the game. They missed a couple more opportunities by field goals. And uh, I mean, that's what you have to make those. You have to take the points that they give you. They had plenty of opportunities and could not take advantage of any of them. Well, the 72 teams, Dallas, they were 10 and 4. San Francisco, they were 8 5 and 1. And this year, John Brody, I mean, I think it was towards the end for him he and Steve Spurrier were actually going back and forth and I think that Brody had actually gotten hurt at one point during the season well they earned the right to play this NFC divisional game these, these two were the the first two were the NFC championship games and of course Staubach and the Cowboys went on to beat the Miami Dolphins in the Super Bowl Super Bowl 6 in Miami they beat them 24-3 and uh, they were trying to go back to back and it looks like at this point that uh, they weren't going to get there. Let me explain. So this game was played in January of 73, and um, there was no excuse for what happened with the 49ers that day, except to say that they were taking advantage of the opportunities given to them. So the opening kickoff was returned (laughs) 97 yards, and uh, then you had some Dallas Cowboy turnovers. Well, it wasn't Staubach that was turning the football over. Craig Morton ended up taking back over the starting position. 20 passes into the season, Staubach injures his shoulder, and Landry basically sticks with Craig Morton the rest of the season until this game, uh, halfway through this game. Let me explain. So there's a San Francisco has a 21-3 lead, and then at the half, Dallas closes the gap a little bit, 21-13. And they went up 28-13 in the third quarter. uh, Fullback Larry Shriver, he runs for his third touchdown of the game. So what are we thinking at this point? San Francisco is in the driver's seat to move on to the NFC Championship game for a third year in a row. Ah, like I said, you had a 97-yard kickoff return on the opening kick by Vic Washington. And this was thanks to two Dallas turnovers uh, also. So they had a lot of points on the board, not just because special teams gave up a big play when the game kicks off and then you turn the football over inside your own 20. That doesn't help. And then in the fourth quarter, San Francisco gets outscored 17 to nothing. Landry had pulled Craig Morton for Roger Staubach. He had enough, right? Two touchdown passes. For Mr. Captain Comeback, uh, who ended up being the starter for good after that. He never relinquished his job until the day he retired. That was Roger Staubach. And San Francisco, they missed the field goal themselves. Dallas recovers an onside kick. Staubach goes 12 for 20, throws for 174 yards, pretty much in a half, and two touchdowns. And Dallas won the game 30 to 28. The writer uh, of the article that I had had the reference he basically called that the worst playoff defeat ever for the san francisco 49ers it's one of their worst moments ever 
I understand that. I mean, I, I totally get that. And, uh, I mean, he's got a big point. A very, very valid point. Now, the rest of the 70s, and I could call out the 60s and 70s Cowboys, but they were in the NFC Championship uh, nine times, the Super Bowl five times, and they hoisted the Lombardi Trophy twice. Hall of Famers and all. You heard the names. And part of the second half of that, you know, of that uh, regime, if you will, as far as the players, you know, you brought in more big guns with like Drew Pearson and Tony Hill and Har uh, Harvey Martin, Randy White, Ed Tutal Jones, and of course, some running back by the name of Tony Dorsett, who ended up being in the Hall of Fame. But I mean, that helps. That helps. Only thing that stood in their way was the Pittsburgh Steelers you know, for two more titles. So, I mean, what are you going to do? San Francisco, though, had only one other winning season, and that was in 1976, of course, that all changed when Bill Walsh was hired in 1979, coming from Stanford. Now, the 49ers in 78 and 79, they finished with a 2-14 and 14 record. There was new blood that was coming in around 79. They drafted Joe Montana, Dwight Clark, for instance. 1980, they brought in linebacker Keena Turner, and then they also had Earl Cooper, 1981, though, they drafted three of their four starters in the defensive backfield. Carlton Williamson, Eric Wright, and Pro Football Hall of Famer, eventual, Ronnie Lott, who started off as a cornerback. For you young Sparkies that didn't know that, you only know him as a safety, a hard-hitting safety. He was a corner first. San Francisco had the best record in the league in 1981. They were 13-3. Dallas was 12-4, despite San Francisco's 45-14 beatdown of the Cowboys in week six that season. Dallas was still a three-point favorite in San Francisco for the 1981 NFC Championship game. Now, in that game, of course, we all know what that, how that ended. Uh, if you don't, just listen. There were seven lead changes that day. And with Dallas holding a 27-21 lead with four minutes and 54 seconds left to go in the game, Montana had to drive the 49ers 89 yards for the game deciding touchdown and so they get down to the dallas six yard line it's third and four 58 seconds left to go in the game what's the play call sprint right option montana he gets the ball he's rolling to the right and now here's the, the thing this play was actually intended for wide receiver freddie solid who had slipped coming off the line of scrimmage dwight clark was basically Montana's last chance. Now he's in his route too, and he reverses his field going back to the opposite corner of the end zone, the same right side where Montana is rolling. I mean, Ed Tutal Jones and the rest of the defense ends up on Montana's forehead as he lost this ball high into the corner of the end zone. Montana says he did see Clark. He never saw him catch the football. He just knew he caught it because of the crowd's reaction to it. Montana's trying, I mean, not Montana, but Dwight Clark is trying to shake Everson Walls, uh, the cornerback for Dallas, ended up being a great corner, by the way. He's trying to shake him, and he does. Yeah, if you read Dallas books, <laughs> Dwight Clark pushed off. All right, <laughs> fandom, man, right? Uh, but anyway, so Montana, he throws, he lost the ball in that corner of the end zone, the back corner of the end zone. And Dwight Clark goes up for the catch. Yeah, crowd goes wild. He catches the football. 
and that puts the 49ers up 28 to 27 with the extra point of course the game wasn't completely over just yet because uh dallas did get the football back the d put a stop to it and then that was it and what does montana say to uh two tall jones two talls like hey you just beat america's team montana said you can sit on the couch with the rest of america and watch the super bowl <laughs> it won't be y'all it won't be y'all uh but that's that's crazy you know that uh, Montana to Clark touchdown pass was described by NFL films to have ended one dynasty and then given birth to another and you know hey if you let Danny White who was actually the quarterback at that point let him tell it he doesn't believe that at all and he says that isn't true because of how good they still were shortly afterwards and uh, I mean after the 79 season going into 1980 Staubach had retired already. And uh, White, he was good, but he wasn't great. Uh, yeah, Dallas got back to the NFC Championship the next year in the strike year against Washington in 82. They lost. Uh, and uh, they got to the playoffs in 83 and also in 85. They lost to the Rams both times. No playoffs for them in 84. And then the decline began. Dallas, you know, they got old. Players were either retiring or traded away. And the only head coach Dallas had ever known, Tom Landry, um, was fired at the end of the 1988 season. Of course, they replaced him with Jimmy Johnson. The Niners did become the dynasty of the 80s, winning four Super Bowls, including back-to-back championships in 88 and 89. And of course, you know, 1990, they were going for the three-peat. And if it had been for Leonard Marshall, Giants defensive end, knocking Joe Montana from the game, oh, not to mention the fact that Roger Craig fumbled in the fourth quarter that led to that Matt Barr game-winning field goal that sent the 49ers home for good and thus ending that 49ers dynasty. Of course, the Giants, they were one of those more improbable but still a pretty good team. They went on to win the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 25 against the Buffalo Bills. But 1992, <laughs> it was Cowboys' turn. I think it's fair to say that the two best teams in the 90s were in the NFC, and they would meet three straight years in the NFC title game. Jimmy Johnson, you know the story, turns a 1-15 squad into a playoff team by 1991. The 92 49ers, they were the best team in the NFL. 14-2. Bill Walsh had retired. He was replaced by his offensive guy, George Seifert. He led the 49ers to that 89 championship, right? Steve Young took over as starting quarterback. He was an all-pro. Roger Craig, he had been replaced by Ricky Waters. Jerry Rice was in the prime of his Hall of Fame career. Most of the old guard from the 80s, they were already gone. They had replaced them with some pretty good players as well. But Dallas, they were, I mean, they were, some of them were aging. All right, that's fair to say. But uh, Dallas, they were at the beginning of their 90s dynasty. They went 13-3 in 92. And as it was in the 1981 season where the 49ers were the youngest team at the time, this was now Dallas, who were the young up-and-coming squad. You had the triplets, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Emmitt Smith, and you had uh, Moose Johnson, Alvin Harper, Jay Novacek, Ken Norton Jr., James Washington, Larry Brown, Russell Maryland, Jim Jeffcoat, Charles Haley, who had been with the Niners uh, in the late 80s, who made a switch, and they traded for him. Um, they met in the 92 NFC Championship game, January 17th, 1993, in San Francisco. Uh, they were a four-point, the 49ers, a four-point favorite at home, uh, Candlestick Park. The team that was supposed to be too young and too inexperienced, they beat San Francisco 
30 to 20 in their own house. The game was tied at 10 at half. So it wasn't like they just, you know, put a bounce uh, that bounced them out. Like it just, it, it wasn't like that. It was tied at 10. It was a pretty tough game. But Emma Smith, 114 yards on the ground. He caught seven passes. That was great. And for what they got him, what, 173 total yards from Emmett? But Troy Aikman in the second half alone was 13 of 16 for 208 yards and two touchdowns. And that put Dallas over the top. It also doesn't help that the 49ers turned the football over four times. Say it again. They turned the football over four times. One, two, three, four. Yeah, that's one of the NFC Championship games I'd rather forget. And especially this next one, 93, Dallas, 12-4, San Francisco, 10-6. I mean, San Francisco, they looked like they was on their way to do back to oh, the top, right? Back to the top. Now, this is after Dallas had put a, a real beat down on the Buffalo Bills in, in the Super Bowl. That was Super Bowl 26. Uh, that was one thing, you know, with the Buffalo Bills. They just they, they lost by missing a field goal one year. And then Washington put a hurting on them the next year. Well, Dallas embarrassed them. 52 to 17. That wasn't even a game. I still remember watching that game. Well, Dallas was on their way back. I mean, but you didn't know it yet if you were a 49ers fan. San Francisco. They, they, Dan Reeves and went from the Broncos to the Giants by then, right? And his Giants got to uh, got to put it on them real good. San Francisco beat them 44-3. And then uh, Dallas, they put Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers out of their misery 27-17. Now they're in Texas Stadium again. Dallas is a three-point favorite, and you saw why. Steve Young tried to make the most of those 45 pass attempts. When you have to throw the football that many times, um, especially then, it wasn't good, and, and it wasn't. He was sacked four times, threw an interception. Oh, the 49ers could not run the football. That told you why. That's why he's throwing 45 times. Dallas, they took care of business. But it was at Troy Eggman's expense. He suffered a concussion after going, what, 14 of 18? He threw two touchdowns. And then the old, uh, longtime Cleveland Brown, Bernie Kosar, who was down the backup, he took over. He Finished the job. Dallas ran away with that game, 38 to 21. It, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. I remember him talking about Larry Brown, Jerry Rice, Jerry who? You know, it's like he had Jerry Rice on lockdown. Police. Yeah. 49ers fan, I, I can still see those games in my mind, man. But revenge is sweet. Dallas did go back to back. They did. And um, they beat the Bills again. And this time, I mean, Aikman, he was, he, he obviously was still feeling those concussions effects. And it was Emmitt Smith that, uh, that's why he won MVP. He was Emmitt Smith that won it that day. The 94 49ers, they cruised. 13-3. They set offensive NFL records along the way. Uh, Steve Young, I think he became the first quarterback to finish with 70% completion percentage, I think it was. And the rate, his complete his uh, quarterback rating was an NFL record. But one thing you know that you have to do as a team is to build your squad to beat the best. From division all the way up to the best team in your conference. <laughs> yeah, they poached Ken Morton Jr. from Dallas, along with the likes of Tim McDonald from the Cardinals, Gary Plummer from the Chargers, Ricky Jackson, and Torrey Cook from the Saints. And Charles Mann, 
he was a good get from the Washington football team at the time. Uh, the biggest pickup, though, was Deion Sanders. They got prime from the Falcons, and they wanted to make sure they were loaded up for the Dallas Cowboys, who finished 12-4. and Of course, they're being coached by Barry Switzer at the time. If you don't know the story, you know, come talk to me after the show. But um, that 38-28 win in Candlestick Park for San Francisco, they were seven-point favorites for a, re- for a reason, by the way. Um, but it was a lot worse than it actually was in route to their Super Bowl 29 beatdown of the San Diego Chargers. That wasn't a game either. But uh, there will be no playoff meeting between those two teams for another 27 years, though. So you fast forward to last year. 2022 Cowboys were 12 and 5. Yeah, we had that extra game. And they hosted the 10 and 7 49ers. Dallas, they were a three point favorite at ATT Stadium. All right, Jerry World. So Dak Prescott, if you don't already know, I mean, this guy, he has had the pressure to get the Cowboys back to winning the Super Bowl title. Uh, while the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo, had the pressure of not only to get San Francisco back to the Super Bowl again, but also to look good doing it. So uh, both guys, they were average in that game. Uh, divisional round, uh, excuse me, wild card. This was a wild card game. Uh, both one touchdown and two picks in between them. But it was the running of Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel. Yeah, the running, the running wide receiver, right? Along with the strong 49ers defense that kept the 49ers out front a majority of the game. And uh, it took as much as a 23-7 lead heading into the fourth quarter. Now, here's an excerpt from my rundown from last year during the playoffs this time. This was my 49ers at Cowboys at that point. The ref has to touch the football. Okay, the ref has to spot the football. If you didn't know this as a fan, get a mirror. The 49ers got their first ever playoff win in Dallas. It almost seems fitting that the Cowboys season ends because of referee involvement, meaning penalties. Keep in mind, the Cowboys were the most penalized team in the league. Sunday, they had nine they were penalized nine times uh, that killed drives or extended the 49ers drives. They put themselves in an early hole, 23 to seven, and San Francisco held on to win despite losing. Stars like, <laughs> you had Joey Bosa, uh, not Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, uh, Fred Warner, Jarek Willis during the game. Hopefully they'll return next week. Question I had, was would they be the only team hosting a playoff game in the wild card round to you to lose? Excuse me. Yeah, they were. Uh, I wonder what Jerry would do next. This was supposed to be the year. As for San Francisco, they need to heal up quick and bundle up because there we will be going to Green Bay Saturday night. Just in case you missed that, Dallas was driving for the go-ahead touchdown that game. 14 seconds were left in that game last year okay Dak Prescott he runs on like a design draw play he slides after getting 17 yards with eight seconds left to go and the Cowboys they tried to spot the ball in order to spike it themselves you can't do that and the referee the umpire Ramon George had to properly spot the ball but by the time the Cowboys snapped it it already expired the clock was already at zeros go figure Dallas had 14 penalties in the game by the way Hmm. That brings us to Sunday. Dax, pressure has not changed. The 
49ers were four-point favorites going into Sunday's game uh, in that divisional playoff game between the two squads. The Cowboys had beat a sub-500 Tampa Bay team that barely got to the playoffs, you know, so to speak. But the 49ers, they lit, what, 9-6 at halftime? And I just couldn't feel worse for Dallas kicker Brett Mayer, who had been seen on the field during the pregame along with punter Brian Anger with owner Jerry Jones. He had his arm around both of them. Was probably telling them, Jerry was probably telling them, you're not getting on my plane if you miss any more kicks. <laughs> so much for that. Prescott, he throws a touchdown, and Mayer's extra point was blocked. But he did kick two field goals that kept them, kept them in the game, you know. So, but they go into that game thinking, all right, they, they have a chance of winning. Just truth be told, you have to look at both defenses on, on this past Sunday. You had two of the best defenses, and what I believe, the 49ers, the best defense in the league, and Dallas, probably the number two defense in the league, in my opinion. It may not be, stat-wise, may not be correct, uh, but if you look at those two defenses all year long, those are the two best. And both of them were playing lights out. They were playing uh, tough. They had a third-string quarterback who, let's just be honest, Brock Purdy did almost look like a rookie. All right, so he had at least three times he threw the football into the hands of the Dallas defense. They just didn't pick him off. But then you had the miracle play there late in the second half where he's rolling back to his left, turns his shoulders, and lost that bomb to George Kittle, who catches it like 12 times. And finally, when he finally reels it in, you had the defensive back. Ah, God, I can't remember who it was that just barely missed nailing Kittle. It would have drawed that bar ball loose. It would have jarred it loose. And that would have been incomplete. But instead, you had a big game. And they were time after time, San Francisco's converting third and longs over and over and over again. Now, I understand Dallas fans. It did not help that Pollard broke his leg. Did not help at all. Did not help at all. I totally get that. I understand it. But Dak Prescott, you can't turn the football over. I told you. I told you, Dallas fans. You're only going to go as far as Dak Prescott takes you. I told you on this show, you could not turn the football over. What did he do? And that was we had a good conversation at work today. And I never heard anyone say this before, but it was a possibility that he was trying to play a little bit timid because of that broken leg that broken ankle that he suffered what two years ago where his leg was turned sideways I, mean, I think Dak is a good quarterback he's just not great and he does need that support but the problem is he just makes the wrong decisions at the wrong time and uh you know one of those two interceptions you know you had a guy you, you, either your guy gets it or the other one does and uh that but the first one was just a it was a bad throw great great interception on the part of San Francisco but you can't turn the football over. And that's exactly what happened. And what's up with that last play to trying to finally get in it? I mean, you lost the game 19-12. to 12, And now San Francisco has closed that all-time playoff gap. You know, with Dallas still leading 5-4. to four, And the all-time series is at 19-19-1. And, and it ends when you have Zeke Elliott. He's snapping the ball on pretty much a... Uh, a, a Hail Mary type situation and um, you know that that was it I mean and you throw it to Turpin and Turpin gets nailed and that was the ball game so 
I mean, you played as well as you possibly could defensively, offensively. You know, yes, Dak was right after the game saying, I can't make those mistakes, and he absolutely did. But, uh, I mean, they played as well as they could, but they could not. You, they say Pollard would have been the difference. He wasn't running the ball that well. He averaged 3.7 yards per carry. That defense wasn't allowing him to run the football. And truth be told, like I said, the other it was the same way for Christian McCaffrey. He had 35 yards rushing, and he did score the game-deciding touchdown. Uh, Elijah Mitchell came in, and he was only averaging 3.6. But, uh, you know, they they made the plays when they needed to make the plays. And thank God Purdy, who threw no interceptions, he also threw no touchdown passes. But that defense played just well enough for them to get over the hump. I mean, it's a team game. I've never seen a dude all by himself win a game with nobody else on the field. Never seen it. Raise your hand if you have. If you do, you're lying. So, I mean, there it is. This 49ers and Cowboys rivalry, I think that could it continue? I don't know. I mean, it, it could. We'll see what happens with Dallas because I mean, Jerry Jones at this point, he said what well, he, he's sick right now. I would be too, Jerry. I would be too. That is it. That is the show. Uh, <laughs> this, this was fun. I'm not going to lie. This was fun. References, thanks to ESPN.com, ProFootballReference.com, also StatMuse.com. I love that website. They get a lot of good stats on that thing. Really, like, detailish type stuff, too. DraftKings Nation. And this was an article written by David Facillo. History of playoff rivalry between Cowboys and 49ers. Dallas and San Francisco have a rich playoff history. This one written January 22nd, 2023. Also, fansided.com. This one by Peter Panassi. 49ers' worst moment ever. Try the 1972 divisional game versus the Cowboys. Yeah, I probably would have been sick, too. That was written August 30th, 2020. Of course, I got my books, of course. The Genius, How Bill Walsh Reinvented Football and Created an NFL Dynasty. This one by David Harris. The Dallas Cowboys, the outrageous history of the biggest, loudest, most hated, best-loved football team in America. This by Joe Nick Potowski. Excuse me, Potowski. I, I knew I was going to ruin that name. I'm sorry, Mr. Joe. Uh, also, one of my favorite books, The Sporting News, Complete Super Bowl Book, 1993 edition. Multiple editors. Tom Diner, Joe Hobble, and Dave Sloan. This has been the Behind the Mic Podcast presented by Billy Up Sports. Also, Billy Up Media, Billy Up Sports Podcast Network, BillyUpSports.com. Check out the website. And again, you can catch us on Megaphone, M-E-G-A-P-H-O-N-E. Megaphone, also Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Tell all your friends and your followers and your family and your uh, your uncles, mothers, cousins, sisters, grandmamas, daddies, granddaddies, uncles, uh, former roommate about this show or I will find your house. I'm out. Thank you.